else can you find? Meteorological Monday. Science Wednesday. And Open Line Friday. There's only one place in the universe. Welcome to the Weather Jazz Podcast. Welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything weather and science and even off-topic episodes that periodically I find interesting and hopefully make it interesting to you, the listener. I'm grateful that you're here on this Wednesday. I'm your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz podcast, Andre Bernier, and I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. This is episode number 218 for Wednesday, July 21, 2021. Got a couple of things that we'll be digging into on this Wednesday. Uh, Kind of a wide and varied uh, science topic and uh, what's coming up topic too, because uh, I'll give you a precursor of an August episode that we're going to do. That's your hint. First things first, though, I'm looking at the smokiness in the atmosphere. Thanks to the forest fires and the winds aloft carrying them from western Canada and parts of the northern plains into the Ohio Valley. And boy, was it pretty thick here in the last couple of days, causing the sun to look orange-brown and yellowish. And even at high noon, you just knew something was up. It didn't look right. Uh, The atmosphere, even on a hazy, humid day, does not look this smoky and brown. And uh, indeed, it uh, did. Now, the smokiness is going to get pushed to the south. We had a cold front go through late last night, early this morning. And the resultant north wind, not only aloft, but at the surface, will gradually push the smoke to the south so that our atmosphere will probably return to something a bit more familiar. And that is that wonderful blue tint because the dew points will be dropping. It'll be getting much more comfortable here in the next couple of days between today and Thursday into early Friday. We're looking pretty decent in the short term. So if you're looking for a break from the heat, well, that will be it. Uh, Resident time of the smoke aloft is really dependent on particle size. They're pretty small, so I would anticipate that the smoke particles, the very small ones, would be up there for a little while unless you get a lot of thunderstorms, which literally can send moisture up into the air, grab the particles, and literally just rain them out. That's what happens a lot in the summertime when you get the thunderstorms bubbling up into the mid-level smoke layer. But unless you have that happening, the particle sizes are so small that they're really not too terribly affected by gravity. And if they are, the gravity pull back to Earth, and eventually that would happen, but that would happen in still air, would be so slow that it would uh, take quite a bit of time. More importantly, the winds aloft kind of act like a diffuser. So you're going to distribute a lot of the pockets of smoke 
uh, a little more across the globe. And so if you don't get any more additional smoke from forest fires, which is unlikely because we still have some uh, forest fires that are going on in the western U.S. and in western Canada. But the minute you turn that off, everything starts to dilute and diffuse. And so you don't get as much of an apparent browning and oranging, if I can use that term, of the sky. Well, we'll continue to monitor the smoke. Uh, I want to touch bases on a couple of astronomical things before we uh, wrap this edition up today. And the first would be the Perseid meteor showers that are coming up. They're pretty reliable every year. They occur in the month of August. Now, that there's your cue. I'm, I'm going to be talking about the Perseids a lot more in greater detail as we push towards August. This year, they will peak between August 11th and August 12th. And really, it's going to be the morning, the early morning hours of August the 12th. So if you're near a calendar and you like to keep track of such things, make sure that you circle it on your calendar or your iCalendar, whatever you keep track of uh, with time these days, whether it's electronic or actual paper. I still like paper, don't you? Um, there's just something about it. I guess having grown up with it, that's uh, the way that I kind of sort of keep on top of things, although I have plenty of electronic devices that remind me of things. So if you want that reminder, make sure that you were reminded the evening of August the 11th to stay up or to set your alarm for after midnight on August the 12th, because that's when the Perseids will be peaking. And on a list of the most reliable meteor shows of the year, the Perseids come in as number three at 100 per hour. However, in the rating scale, they are noted as somewhat bright. That will average about two per minute. That doesn't seem like a lot. Uh, granted, I've seen some meteor storms before that go into the thousands per hour. And there was one one year I remember watching bolide after bolide come in, actually causing very briefly shadows on the surface of the earth. Even at dawn, we were watching these bolides explode in the upper atmosphere. Now, that's not the case with the Perseids, but at night, they are classified as being bright, again, at about 100 per hour, and they are the third most reliable um, meteor shower on our calendar. What is number one? The number one is uh, the uh, Geminids. They occur in the month of December, and they have an average fall rate or meteor rate of 150 per hour. That's about three per minute. Uh, but the rating here on the Geminids is a medium brightness. It's not necessarily as bright as the Perseids would be. So uh, it's really six and one half dozen of the other. Would you prefer 100 bright ones or 150 medium to a somewhat uh, very short and not as bright meteors? Uh, so I'll let you make the judgment call for that. When we approach August, we'll talk a little bit more about 
the Perseids, the source of the Perseids, and how they kind of figure that. Are there any meteor showers that we see on an annual basis that we don't know where the source is? And the answer is yes. And we'll talk more about that as uh, we begin to approach uh, August. So look for that in an upcoming episode of Weather Jazz sometime in early August, just before the 11th. I'm not sure what the schedule looks like. I'm going to have to let me look at the schedule right now as I'm getting the next thing ready for discussion here. August 12th, the morning of August 12th, this early Thursday morning between midnight and 3 a.m. So there you have it. It'll be a Thursday morning. Yes, it's a weekday. Maybe uh, not quite as uh, convenient as it would be on the weekend. But here's the good news for that one, for the Perseids this year. The atmosphere and the lunar cycle will be such that it will be a moonless night. So the moon's, the moon's light really won't be interrupting the Perseids this year. Okay, we have one more thing to talk about, and that is the sun's activity. As we have discussed in a previous edition of Weather Jazz, the sun's getting more and more active. We are seeing the sun come out of its slumber, and so far the current stretch of spotless days is zero. In other words, there are spots on the sun. The current sunspot number according to spaceweather.com, is 45. You can get that information on the left-hand screen if you call up spaceweather.com. Also, you can see that the sun is pretty active just over the other side of the sun. Now, the sun rotates, and as it's rotating, we're seeing evidence of an active sunspot zone just behind the limb. How can you tell? Well, take a look at some of the pictures that I have posted on Weather Jazz episode number 218, and you'll see the solar prominences, and you'll also see some uh, gaseous areas expanding away from the sun using H-alpha filter and some of the other filters that are used to observe the sun. So that is a very active zone there. If you want to check it out, uh, very impressive uh, imagery from a number of sources. And this is going to start to pull into the visible area because the sun in the in this particular case, if you look at the image, uh, the the sun is rotating from left to right. So those active areas just behind the limb will actually come into view. It has been the source of several um, CMEs that would be a coronal mass ejection. They're pushing out into space. However, uh, for us, that doesn't mean much because it's uh, CME that exploded away from the sun, not in our direction. However, as this cluster of sunspots begins to point towards Earth as the sun continues to spin, any future CMEs may be pointed towards Earth, and that may provide us with a show of the northern lights. So go check it out. 
And that's episode number 218. It's uh, the most recent one. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when I release this, if you go to weatherjazz.com, it'll be the first thing that you see. I have one other story that I think I'm going to save for another time because it is totally out in left field. I have absolutely no uh, idea where to place this in the science uh, realm of things. Hmm. I think I'm going to save this for another time. It uh, deals with the Tibetan Plateau uh, pikas. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Looks like a... Um, a um, an interesting-looking chipmunk. And they've discovered some interesting things about their diet in the wintertime in the Tibetan Plateau, which probably, as you can figure out, would be pretty inhospitable in many places. But we're going to save that maybe for another time and another placement in terms of episode. Well, hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you will help me to spread the word about this podcast inside your sphere of influence. And please uh, do so using any and all means over the fence to your neighbor, email, social media. In fact, I frequently will post this on Twitter and Getter. Make sure that you retweet those or rebroadcast those on Getter. Uh, I also post those on uh, my Facebook page and the station's Facebook page. So feel free to retweet those, especially if you find them interesting. Well, if you have a question, topic suggestion, I'm always waiting for your input. You can easily reach me at weatherjazz at yahoo.com. And now also via text or voicemail at Weather Jazz, the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect Line 234-525-5888, 234-525-5888. And you can hit the contacts link at the very top of the page at weatherjazz.com for all of that information, just in case you're unable to transcribe this. Well, coming up on Open Line Friday, you're going to love it. We have a very special guest. His name is Brian Busby. Who is Brian Busby? Well, you'll get to know him, but if you live anywhere close to Kansas City, you know who Brian Busby is because he is essentially the Dick Goddard of Kansas City. And for those of you outside of Northeast Ohio and don't know who Dick Goddard is, Dick Goddard was our long-running meteorologist at Fox 8, uh, more than 50 years, and he set the standard for television weather in Cleveland. And there is an interesting connection between Dick Goddard and Brian Busby. Mm-hmm. I will leave it at that and uh, ask you that you join us for the next episode of Weather Jazz, which will be episode number 219. This is 218, Open Line Friday, coming Friday. Hope to see you then. So we'll see you soon as we introduce you to Brian Busby right here on Weather Jazz. Weather and science across the globe.